This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, friendly family of Awareness Explorers. I am Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my trusty co-host. Ryan Tom O'Connor. And we today have a subject called No Self, Better Self, meaning is it better to focus on becoming your true nature of pure awareness, or is it better to improve yourself and try to become a better person in whatever psychological self-improvement approach you might enjoy manifesting? And Brian and I have had this debate kind of on and off for a lot of our episodes, and we decided to duke it out once and for all in a clear-cut debate where I take the importance of self-improvement and Brian takes the importance of, what do you call your ridiculous idea, Brian? Discovering your true nature. Okay, well, when you put it that way, it sounds pretty good, but... um, (laughs) But we each are going to advocate for uh, one or the other wing of this two-winged approach, because we often think that when we discuss this in the past, that doing both makes some sense. But I do want to make clear, and Brian will make clear, why we each so strongly advocate for one or the other. And when we decided to kind of do this in debate form, Brian, what was the first thing that uh, popped up in your head? Well, the first thing was that it would be fun to, to, to argue both sides. But the second thing that popped up was that often we have come to see each other's sides. So we might have to sort of act like we don't agree for a little bit before we come to an agreement. That sounds good. Kind of like a, a lover's quarrel and then making up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. So for people who are new to this um, debate, let's say, what would be some of the main points as to why you think it's so important to focus perhaps more or even exclusively on the no self or true nature part of the uh, equation? Well, it really depends on the context in which you're talking about it. I would never say exclusively, but there's a large picture of human well-being, happiness, psychological, and emotional health. And within that, both are are there, both are available, and both are good things to work on. But if you narrow the focus down to discovering your true nature of pure awareness, universal consciousness, or what I prefer to call happiness for no reason, uncaused happiness, then I think that trying to fix what's wrong with your personality doesn't actually help get you there and might actually get in the way. Well put, and I can say that at least you've said in in previous episodes, and in your case, that was very much true, that you're trying to improve yourself actually constricted you and sometimes maybe even led to more depression. That's right. Yes, exactly right. In my experience that 
I was I saw myself as fundamentally flawed and I approached this entire spirituality business as part of the effort to change myself, to find out that flaw, to root it out and to fix it. And it wasn't until I let go of the idea that there was something wrong with me that needed fixing. And I started allowing myself to be exactly as I am and allowing the world to be exactly as it is and allowing other people to be exactly as to be exactly as it is. And at the same time, turning attention from the content of awareness, which is everything, including sensations, perceptions, and your ideas about yourself, and turning attention to the background, to that which knows all of this, which is sort of, which is already allowing. That's when I started to experience uncaused happiness. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say, on the other hand, in the larger picture, there have been plenty of things that that from your point of view, you would probably call being aware of something that needed fixing. Like, for example, many, many years ago, someone told me that I was always sarcastic. And I thought that I was, I just had a good sense of humor. But as soon as he told me that, I realized that half the sentences that came out of my mouth were sarcastic. And when I noticed that, I started to shift. Now, I don't think this necessarily improved my happiness, but I bet you it improved the <laughs> happiness of people that I talked to. That's very interesting. And that's actually one of the reasons why I think it's important for people to always have some effort towards what could be called self-improvement, you know, improving the ego, improving personality, but more important, improving behavior. Like your sarcasm uh, was not probably helping you make friends, and it probably was uh, annoying some people. And what I saw, you know, because I spent a lot of years with a teacher that really worked on both sides of this equation, becoming pure awareness and really getting a lot of feedback about your behavior and personality and ego idiosyncrasies that were detrimental to being a servant, to being helpful, to being just a good human being. And I, I think that, for example, uh, in, in this group that I was in, we, we lived together, we worked together, we got to know each other pretty well. And the truth is, is that people tend to respect people who are very kind, who are very loving, who are helpful. And those traits don't necessarily show up with awakening. You can have a fair amount of awakening and still be very rough around the edges. So I've heard, although I haven't met anyone like that. Uh-huh. Well, because we mostly focus on the cream of the crop. You know, True. these are people who who are known teachers uh, like that. But in the awakening sphere, there's a lot of people, yeah, I've been working on awakening and I'm very awake. And yet they don't exude much love. They're not very helpful. And some of their rough edges are like really annoying. And first of all, they're not a really good advertisement for awakening is one thing. And if you talk to them, they might say, well, you know, 
all that's illusion. There's really nothing to do and make various non-dual excuses. And the truth is, is that they have maybe hijacked some of the awakening stuff as a way of not working therapeutically on themselves, not looking at how some of their behaviors could be damaging, not realizing that their relationship issues have something to do with them. And I want really wonderful human beings. I don't necessarily want awakened human beings. I want people who are full of joy, who who communicate well, who when they have issues come up, they're willing to admit them, uh, who know themselves pretty well. And these are not traits that necessarily go along with awakening. They can, but I've seen many examples where people can let go into the background of peace and may even meditate well, but uh, in their relationships, it's a disaster. Well, I would argue that those people are not really awake. They're only telling themselves they are and pretending to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, there's no clear-cut edges in the awakening sphere. I wish we had a button that, you know, from one to ten, how awake you are. But let's, <laughs> let's take even somebody, uh, some extreme examples, like uh, Osho Rajneesh. Rajneesh, yes. Yeah. The guy that had 93 Rolls Royces and uh, had a big following. I know a lot of people who are students of his that say that he was a very awake teacher. And yet a lot of his decisions in hindsight could look like, well, you know, that really wasn't very smart. And you could do that with other teachers. All the pretty awake teachers, some that we respect, that had sexual scandals, that had money scandals. You know, you could take somebody like Doffrey John, who anybody I know who was around him said this is like the most powerful spiritual being they'd ever been around, or me being around somebody like Sai Baba, who could manifest things out of thin air, very awake people who could do really harmful things. Like in Sai Baba's case, he would have sex with with boy, teenage boys. And there was no one there to say, hey, you know, this isn't cool. And when you look at all the scandals that have happened with pretty awake people, you'd have to say that there was something missing that they weren't seeing themselves accurately and weren't necessarily working on these issues. And things can get out of hand because of that. Right. Well, it may be that they had an awakening, but they didn't um, persist. They didn't continue. They didn't stay awake. They, they lapsed into the uh, individual personality's desires. Either that or they just, you know, magical powers is not awakening. Mm -hmm. um, some people can really talk the talk and aren't, awa aren't awakened. So none of those people seem to be awake at least in how to how I define it. And that's why I talked about uncaused happiness. That's why I talked about, to me, it's the idea that, that what we really are is unconditional love. And if you are bringing 
that understanding that you are unconditional love into your life. You're not going to sexually abuse your students. You're not going to become completely um, obsessed with how many Rolls Royces you have uh, or take drugs or whatever. I, I mean, I just don't, don't really see it, but I know that you can, you can awaken, you can have a kind of an experience and then you can, you can fall out of it. You can fall out of that experience. Whereas the way I look at it is when you see, when you really connect with that pure, loving, pure background of existence, and when you know and you trust and you can connect it all the time, you can stay connected to it all day long. And you, or you can simply connect to it at the drop of a hat and you can live your life according to perfect allowance, acceptance, and unconditional love. Well, you mentioned something very interesting there, which was that in how you define awakening. And the part of the problem is that everybody defines it differently, and they define who is awake differently. Was Rajneesh awake? Was Sai Baba awake? Was Yogananda awake? Are you and I awake? It, it's a very, there is no awake test that everybody can agree on. So one of the reasons why I think working on oneself and becoming what people could agree on as a better human being, like almost everybody will agree on that, that being kind and helpful is a good thing in human beings. Being a good communicator that's authentic is a good thing in human beings. That being in integrity and not cheating people, that's a good thing. Admitting when you have cause somebody pain and and have an issue. Those are good things that almost every culture, you know, you do something wrong, you apologize. Those are all pretty measurable things that almost every culture will say, yeah, it would be nice if people can move in that direction. But when you talk about awakening, now you're like, well, my, my, I am, I'm, you know, I'm Sai Baba. I manifest things out of thin air. I'm totally awake. I can do what I want. You know, it becomes more nebulous. And then you're, you end up arguing about, well, is that person awake or not? And then you end up saying, well, if you were really awake, then you'd be a good human being. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, it totally depends on how you define awakening. And I have no idea how to define it in somebody else necessarily. So that's why I think you have to even out this quote awakening thing whatever that is we have our definition of course with and and you mentioned that people can fall out of it i think of it as a moment to moment thing you know how aware are you of of the background of awareness how aware of you of your true nature and that can maybe change every minute but the personality characteristics of of good communication skills, good moral skills, tends to be more agreed upon and therefore a very important part of becoming a full human being. And uh, as long as it doesn't interfere with awakening, I think it's always important to be working on it to some extent. Well, absolutely. I mean, kindness, understanding, good, authentic communication, these are all great things. But when we've had these arguments, it's not because you have said, I think kindness is a good thing. It's because you have said, 
I spent 20 years where people, we all told each other what our flaws are and tried to fix them. And that's the part that seems to me that's really getting in the way. That's really um, uh, something that Adyashanti used the term rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh-huh. It's not about fixing anything. When you are focused on what is wrong with you and what needs to change, you are missing the golden opportunity to see everything as it is in reality and allowing it and accepting it in this moment. And when you pass that up, you're missing, well, I'll just repeat it, you're missing a golden opportunity. And to me, that is awakening because that leads to unconditional love. And if you are connected to under unconditional love, kindness comes naturally, understanding and compassion comes naturally. Well, I do agree that those will come naturally if you are connected, but communication skills, I don't see that coming naturally. Uh, the ability to take good care of your body. I don't see that coming naturally. Yeah, but I, you're talking apples and oranges. This is, you know, that's like saying, okay, um, you know, I, I, I can either be, I can, I don't see how keeping a floor clean is going to help my reading skills. <laughs> you're, it's just, they don't have anything to do with one another. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that some very important things don't come with awakening. You know, I once had a conversation with Ramdas about this, and uh, I asked him, why do you think you have a stroke? Yeah, and he, his idea about that changed over time. You know, at first he thought it was his guru's grace, and then he got all depressed about it. And then he said, uh, last time I talked to him, that I wasn't taking care of my body. Uh, I thought all you really need to do is focus on awakening and everything else will be taken care of. And the truth is, we have bodies and we have to uh, figure out ways of taking care of them. And we have to figure out ways of being moral. And we have to uh, figure out ways of handling money. And all these things that are, are part of being a good human being in modern day life. And if you're missing any of them, there can be repercussions. So I think that kindness and certain qualities can come with awakening, but other important qualities don't come with awakening. Yes, but you see, the thing is, you are assuming that I am saying that you focus on awakening and you do not focus on those other things. I'm saying all those other things are very important and they're in a completely different category. Okay. And I'm uh, not but, saying that awakening helps those things. And I'm not right. saying that those things helps awakening. I'm saying they're apples and oranges. I'm saying that that connecting to the universal self as opposed to the individual body, mind, personality self is a key to untold, unconditional, causeless happiness and joy. And that's great. Now, let's say you're still working on that. Let's say that hasn't happened. There's nothing wrong with learning how to take care of your money. There's nothing wrong with learning how to be a better communicator. There's nothing wrong with learning how to forgive other people, learning how to be compassionate. All that stuff is great. But I, I just don't see that one causes or affects the other. That's, that's my point. Well, I don't necessarily see that they affect or cause each other. Um, so, so you're I looking at it from the large 
large, so if I zoom back and look at the large perspective, let's just call it human happiness. You've got all the things that you're talking about on one side, which are kindness, uh, self-respect, respect of others, dealing with others, communication, money, skills, bodily health. Great. And then there is searching, looking inside and connecting with universal beingness. Those are all all can be included in that big picture. We only differ when we zoom down to the small picture of, of connecting with your beingness, where I think that the other stuff is actually not related to that. That's all. Yeah, not I'm, I'm saying it's bad and you shouldn't do it. You should. It'll make your life and everybody else's better. So let's talk about the area where we tend to disagree. And I do agree with you that when talking about beingness, trying to improve something is the is is an obstacle you know if you're trying to just be and be with what is then trying to change what is is an obstacle to being with what is so we're in agreement there but then it comes down to like a method so uh when i've talked about being in a group where we gave each other what could be called critical feedback for me that worked pretty well but I could see that it doesn't work for everyone. Now, a problem is that um, most of the people I know into awakening, they don't have the skill of accepting critical feedback in a way that is helpful to them. And without any feedback loop, without any feedback, you can go off the rails pretty easily, which is what I think happens to a lot of these teachers is they're not getting real world feedback. So somehow they think, well, this and this and this is okay. And they end up having sex, money, scandals, etc. So I think feedback is important for people being really good human beings and for even staying on the path of awakening. Although I can see that, that for other people it really doesn't work. You know, I work a lot with people in therapeutic modalities and work a lot with people who um, I guide through MDMA sessions. And I get to see that some people are so have this self-critical loop in their head that anything you say to them that's not that could be construed in a negative way just feeds into that loop and they get caught in that eddy and they don't have a way out. And for those people, you know, it, I tell them, you got to learn to accept yourself or something, you know, that, that, that feedback doesn't work for them. And, and it sounds like you had that experience as well. But in general, I do think that people do need that feedback. And, you know, Dr. Jeffrey Martin, the one that we sometimes quote in terms of doing a lot of consciousness research, has said that, people who become very awake actually lose their self-reflection ability, which is one of the reasons why they sometimes fall off the path is because they're no longer analyzing themselves the way they were. So it's not that they're more awake to their issues, they're actually less awake to their issues than they were before they awakened. Well, that may be, but... but um you bring up actually a very good point when you talked about the people who sort of don't accept themselves. And you're right that 
it's not necessarily one size fits all because there are different types of person. If you are the type of person who is completely focused on your unworthiness, mm -hmm. then learning your, your, your faults and flaws is, is not going to help. But Totally agree. But there are people who are not like that. And there are, and because there is a paradigm in spirituality that what happens is that a person changes, they become an enlightened being. Mm -hmm. And this is a non-helpful concept to say the least. And yeah. we look upon the teachers as an enlightened being. Therefore, we remove any criticism, they're perfect, they're wonderful. And those teachers, those so-called enlightened beings, all they're getting is praise and adoration. And they, that puts them into the other category, the category that I am great, I am fine, and I don't have to worry about it. But in both cases, the common denominator is the focus on the individual self and their personality. And that's what we're not. That's what our, our ultimate selves, the, that which knows our experience, is not our individual minds, personalities, bodies. It's not even personal. It's not even personal. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting point that the, the dynamic there actually encourages them, encourages them to go more into an ego-based psychology. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when we talk to so many people that we interview on the show, you know, I like to pick people that are really unpretentious, that really just are sincere and authentic people. And, you know, when you talk to people like Locke Kelly and Aja Shanti and, and, and uh, Rupert Spira and, and uh, Angelo Gangaji, yes, yeah. Angelo DeLulo, you see in their eyes and in their being, you see an authentic joy, an authentic sense of love, an authentic sharing of our shared nature. And I can sense it in them. And you talked mm -hmm. about how there's no, yes, there's no way of sort of measuring whether someone is awake or not, but I don't really care. I want to know when I look in their eyes, am I, am I getting reflected back a sense of the unconditional love that is our shared beingness or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most of the people we talk to are that way. And maybe it's because we filter, we filter out. We don't, we don't invite, you know, crazy egotistical, crazy wisdom teachers. Mm -hmm. Now you made a statement, which I found interesting is that working on yourself doesn't help with awakening necessarily. And I think for some people, and we've said this before, that there's different people that need different things. The analogy I've used is that when I started on this path, I had a, a backpack full of heavy rocks from my childhood, from, you know, having a difficult childhood, etc. I had a bunch of issues. And through therapy, and my spiritual teacher and feedback, those rocks got lighter and lighter and I threw some of those rocks out so that when I entered more into awakening, it wasn't such a dramatic shift. It was like I was already a lot lighter 
And then you just kind of take the final step into that you're letting go of all identification with ego. So I see that in many cases, if done right, self-improvement type thing, a better self, can actually lead one to the doorstep of awakening. And in some cases, it can lead away from the doorstep of awakening. You know, by getting all self-critical and all, I should be this and feeling guilty and all those things. I've seen both happen. Right. Um, but I did want to put that out that if done well, some of these, you know, traumas and issues, things, they just kind of, you work through them so that they're not taking so much bandwidth and mental space. And all that's left is awareness. Yeah, I, I, I can see that point. And, and especially particularly if it leaves less conceptual thought about yourself and your personality. You know, I mean, if your therapy really just encourages you to think endlessly about yourself and your personality and your experience and your emotions, then I don't think it's helpful. But I also experienced a similar thing to your rock analogy in regular normal psychotherapy where a safe place to have my emotions was provided. Mm -hmm. And spiritual bypassing is using spirituality to prevent yourself from experiencing your emotions. And we know that that does not work. We know that part of allowing is allowing how you feel, not having an idea of how a spiritual person should feel. And yeah. so that was helpful. It didn't go all the way. It didn't completely erase uh, depression the way uh, happened the way it happened when I discovered non-dual spirituality but it really let a lot of the steam off a lot of the pressure and mm -hmm. and uh, and yes that really helped so in a way I, I, I think we might we might share a, a point of view that we sort of put slightly differently here Dan, I think we're coming to more agreement again. Oh, darn. We can't help it. No, we need to duke it out a little more. You're wrong, Jonathan. Well, the, pro the problem is we both worked on ourselves enough that we can hear each other. <laughs> now, had we not done that, we could really duke it out. But... <laughs> yes, and we actually and then we actually see ourselves as each other, ultimately. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it really comes back to the two-wing analogy that when done well, they do complement each other that I have seen people who work on themselves. And it looks like uh, what I call Velveeta cheese, uh, overly processed BS. <laughs> right. And I've seen when it doesn't go well in the other way that somebody claims to be awakened, and it is either just feeding their ego, or they haven't really tuned into the higher qualities of awakening, more subtle qualities, such as if we're all one, you want to be moral, you know, you want to golden rule and that type of stuff. So some people, whether they're not really awake, or they just miss that quality, they're, they're not getting the full benefit of it. So in a way, having a healthy combination of the two, uh, if that's possible, if that works in you, however you do that, is kind of a safeguard to keep you more stably on the on the path, which we've all heard is is straight and narrow, 
to some extent. <laughs> yeah, and, and what you describe also can be supported by uh, the concept um, that Jack O'Keefe introduced in, mm -hmm. in one of her books that we talked about on the podcast, which is non-denialism. And yes. what happens is, and, and this is actually a true phenomenon that I, I can I can recognize and have seen that we get the idea that to be spiritual or to be awakened or enlightened or to or to experience non-duality, that the body, the personality, the physicalness, the relationships, these become unimportant. They become denied. They become, we, we think of them as not non-dual. Oh, wait a minute. The body, that's dual. That's not non-dual. And so we sort of take all these things and we put them out of our minds. And that, and that's, I think, a misunderstanding because, because the central paradox of non-duality is that non-duality includes the dual. And yeah. we are human beings and we are as such imperfect. So it's a fine line to walk between the allowance and acceptance of our imperfections and our saying, well, you know, the only thing that exists is pure consciousness, so I can do whatever I want, which is an equal misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. But I think that with direct, wordless, concept-free experience, we can connect with something so much bigger and huger and larger than ourselves. And that's what I'm talking about when I, when I argue my side, but it's not to say that your wing of the plane should be ignored. No, we, we want to live happy lives and we want the people around us to be happy. We want right. harmony. We want to yeah. live in sympathetic vibration with the world as it is. And the world as it is now could use some very helpful, awake servants uh, to to actually be doing things to try to improve the world or, or at least make it more livable. I like the term human beings. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all could be better at being a human. And we also are beings or divine beings or whatever you want to call that, where we are connected to something bigger than just our animal body. And, and you put those two things together in a person, and it's really beautiful when that happens. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see that. And if I see that in a person where they all come together, it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we've been honored to be able to talk to a lot of those people and, and be inspired by them. And I think we need more of those role models, more of those people where we go, well, they're really deeply human, and I can feel their divine essence and how they are. And, mm -hmm. and the two together is really like a, a plane that soars. Yeah, yeah. And my only caveat is none of what you say is wrong unless it's conceptual, unless it's just thoughts, unless, it's, unless we're just doing a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that leads us astray. It's not the desire to be kind or the desire to be healthy. It's all that thought, which is which doesn't reflect reality as it is the oneness of all things, because language is the tool of separation. And that's what it's for. But that's why it can never 
really represent reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a they call it a razor's edge for a good reason. It's hard to to do these things in a balance that works that sometimes you're going to focus on one. Sometimes you might need to focus on the other just to, to rebalance you. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, certainly hearing these concepts and having friends that help you can be really important. And, and, you know, so that's why one of the reasons we encourage people to tell your friends about this, we need all the help we can get. And as Ramdas says, walk each other home. And um, I'll just say thank you to all our Patreon supporters for walking us home so we can keep doing this. We really appreciate it. And if you want to support us in that way, go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers. And we send blogs and extra meditations and extra excerpts to all our Patreon friends. And thank you again for your support. Any last words about this before we do a meditation? Well, I think it's kind of funny that, uh, that, you know, we set it up as a debate, but this always happens <laughs> because now I feel like, oh, okay, so, you know, let's include it all. Yes. Let's not yes. say this good, that bad, you know? Well, well even the, the, the fact that we say that there are two things is already uh, <laughs> a, a step away from reality. You know, it's all, it's all one, it's all connected. And and so the fact that we go full circuit that way means that we uh, are probably coming back to a, a bigger truth. Exactly. Yep. And of course, because it's my turn to do the guided meditation this episode, I get to I get the last word because I can do a guided meditation based on my wing of the plane. But don't forget to be kind and take care of your body. And luckily, because I'm such a big person, I allow that and and I can let that go so easily. (laughs) Yes, I admire you for that, Jonathan. You have a great personality. (laughs) Uh, Well, it has been fun, Brian, as usual. And uh, please guide us in, in today's meditation. All righty, here we go. First, as always, find a comfortable position Close your eyes if it's safe to do so. Take a nice, easy, deep breath and relax. Take a brief inventory of your current experience. In other words, what are you experiencing right now? What sounds are you hearing? What body sensations are you feeling right now? If your eyes are open, what images are appearing? If they're closed, what shapes and colors are appearing in the dark field behind your eyelids? What emotions are you feeling right now? What thoughts are arising right now? Gently shift your attention from the contents of awareness to pure awareness itself by asking yourself, in what clear, open, mirror-like field do these experiences appear? 
Or more simply, what knows these experiences? Now, turn your attention to your sense of yourself as an individual. Ask yourself the same question. In what clear, open, mirror-like field does this sense of myself appear? Or simply, what knows this sense of myself? Notice that this sense of yourself is just another appearance, just like the sounds and body sensations. And it's appearing in the same clear, open, mirror-like field of awareness as sounds, sights, and body sensations. Now, take a look at this sense of yourself, this quote-unquote me, and see if there's something wrong, something you don't like, something that needs to be fixed. Notice that the things about you that need to be fixed are just thoughts. And like the sounds and body sensations are simply appearances in awareness. And these ideas of the things about you that need to be fixed are appearing in the same clear, open, mirror-like field of awareness, along with everything else that's appearing, thoughts, sounds, body sensations, sights, feelings, all appearing in the same field of awareness. Now I'm going to ask you to play with your imagination. And I'm going to ask you to play without any sense that you have to believe anything you imagine. Allow yourself the freedom to imagine anything at all without having to decide if it's possible or not, or if it's true or not. Imagine that everything about you that you feel needs to be fixed has already been fixed. Imagine that when you look at this sense of yourself, this sense of the me, that you're unable to find absolutely anything wrong that needs to be fixed. Just imagine it, 
No need to believe it's possible. Again, imagine that everything that could possibly be wrong with you has already been fixed. Who would you be? To paraphrase Locke Kelly, who would you be without a problem to be solved? Notice your thoughts. Because all ideas of fixing anything are thoughts about the past and the future, ask yourself, what can I notice about my current experience without thoughts about the past or thoughts about the future? If thoughts about the past or thoughts about the future come up, simply imagine your mind is too slippery for them to stay. and They slide right on out the other side. Nothing wrong. Nothing to fix. No thoughts about the past. No thoughts about the future. As all of these fade, notice that the sense of your individual identity starts to become more and more transparent. Again, ask yourself, who would I be without a problem to be solved and without thoughts about the past or thoughts about the future? Notice that who you are is simply experiencing. The pure happening of experiencing whatever sensations and perceptions are appearing right now, right here. Being experiencing. Wordless, concept-free, problem-free, knowing of experiencing. Being.
Now, take another nice, easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, begin to open your eyes. Hmm. Powerful as usual. I liked your question. Something about who would you be if you had nothing to fix or how would you put that? Yeah, well, uh, who would you be without a problem to be solved? Hmm. Uh, that's a paraphrase of Locke Kelly's quote, which <clears throat> is, what is here now if there's no problem to solve? Hmm. And you can use that if that works better for you. One time in one of Locke's weekend retreats, he asked that question, and I heard it. I'm sure he said, what is here now if there's no problem to solve? But somehow, in my mind, I heard it. Who would you be if there's no problem to solve? And I realized that the sense of the separate me is made up of my thoughts about problems that need to be solved. And without them, I realized that uh, what I am is just pure beingness, that all the other stuff is just thoughts. Yeah, it's a great technique and a very uh, direct. And you realize that's what the mind does. It's always looking for problems and trying to solve them. And there's something beyond that. I guess that's its job. And we shouldn't... Uh, you know, get down on it for doing its job. But as Pamela Wilson used to always say, thank your mind for its opinion. And suggests early retirement. <laughs> and then just rest as being. Yes, yes. Well, that's a good note to uh, rest on for us. May our listeners be resting deeply in their own beingness and humanity as well until next time keep exploring keep exploring thank you for listening to awareness explorers to learn more you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app we'd love it if you would post a review and please share our link on facebook and with family and friends because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.